The Start On Demand. On demand. Round two is here. The Winnipeg Jets take on the Montreal Canadiens tonight in game one at Bell MTS Place. And with up to 500 healthcare workers being allowed in the stands for games one and two, that has sparked a ton of reaction. Some of it good and some of it not so good at all. Also, who do you cheer for if you're a Jets and Habs fan? We speak to a Winnipeg loyalist who is also a lifelong Canadiens fan. And it is hot! Heat warning in effect for most of southern Manitoba. So today we had lots of fun talking about the hottest we have ever experienced. Hottest place you've ever been, hottest conditions you've ever felt, and how to try to beat that heat if you can. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Wednesday, June 2nd podcast for The Start. Today's the day. Tonight is the night. Round two of the North American Ice Hockey League Championships. (laughs) Greg Mackling, how excited are you? Shivers up and down my spine, even though it's going to be scorching hot outside. This is... uh, Wow. Talk about really a dream series in a lot of instances. The eyes of Canada are on this series as Toronto is out. I don't know what the national media is going to do if they've been crying the last 24, (laughs) 36 hours over the fact they won't be able to fawn over Austin Matthews or Connor McDavid in this second round of the playoffs. We don't care here in Winnipeg. We're all ready to go. The stars are ready to go. Eight days off. Well, in between games. I mean, the Jets haven't exactly been sitting around the swimming pool uh, looking at one another for the last eight days. So it's the old rest versus rust argument. Who will win out tonight? Can't wait, McNabb. And it's an early game, 630. Yes. Unless it goes into quadruple overtime, (laughs) we should be just fine. And even then, I'm staying up for it, baby. We waited uh, eight long days for this in between games, as you said. It feels like it's been a long time. And I had been sharing some texts and emails with friends in Eastern Canada. And I said, if you haven't been paying attention, you are about to learn just how good we are. So stay tuned. I know that you talk about the fact that the country is watching and, and there's not a lot going on right now, right, to distract us. So I'm looking forward to sitting down and thinking about something else, non-COVID besides hockey, with the exception of fact, of course, tonight, due to COVID, there's no fans in the stands, with the exception of 500 Frontline healthcare workers, 500 healthcare workers to find out today if they'll be the ones chosen. If they so choose to be part of this, they can email and ask to get tickets and then they'll make some decisions and see who gets to go. And man, I know I'm excited for this game and I want to acknowledge those healthcare workers like no one else. I think I can't wait to light fireworks and have parties and have celebrations at the Forks and say thank you to the many frontline workers who've been putting it all on the line for the last 16 months. But I'm not sure how I feel about this move to put healthcare workers in the stands. I'm just I'm just on the fence about it because I know so many people are going to use it as a way to say, well, if we can all get together if we're vaccinated, then let's do it. And I'm worried about that. My initial reaction was probably closer to, boy, that's not really good messaging. But I've yeah. I've tried to digest it. I know. In terms of what the message that it sends and if the message is intended to be a thank you to frontline workers and an acknowledgement that once you get your second dose of vaccine, uh, you might be able to do some things that we aren't able to do now, 
then I think there is some positive messaging there. So uh, I'm with you, McNabb. I was on the fence, but I'm now on the, uh, I'm at least standing on the ground Mm -hmm. on the side of the fence that says, let's do this for the healthcare workers that want to be involved. This is a great way to pay homage to them and to say thank you for the hard work that's been done over the last eight, nine, 10 months in particular. You can let us know what you think about the spans and the stands. 204-780-6868. Shoot us a text. You can also weigh in on email. gmac at cjob.com or mackling at cjob.com. Uh, McNabb at cjob.com or brett at cjob.com. So by the way, at 637, we're going to speak to a Winnipeg loyalist and lifelong Montreal Canadiens fan to find out who do you cheer for in that series. Leah Hextall. At 7.37, we'll also have our Daily Jets update with Paul Edmonds at 6.55. And the keys to the game with Cam Poitras at 8.11. So lots of stuff on the Jets. And uh, we also have some great stuff from the cheer line. The Jets cheer line, 204-780-6800. And uh, I think we can get away with playing this one this early in the morning because we got this one rather early in the morning with or, or no he hang on a second i think this was forwarded to us last evening mm-hmm. but he sort of labeled it as he was up at 2 a.m so i'm not entirely sure yeah, when this came in but regardless it was three minutes of this guy <laughs> rapping to the wu-tang clan in the background so a lot of the the voicemail simply can't be aired because of the background music but i've found a chunk that i think we can get away with it. <laughs> Hopefully it makes you smile as much as it did us. Police left on a clover. I'm in the bag going out like Danny Glover. Yo, you want to drop the gloves? It's hockey right in Bangladesh. I'm in the back with a little bit of Wu-Tang and some Johnny Cash. Yeah, how's it go, D? It's hockey night in Bangladesh. Wu-Tang and some Johnny Cash. It's hockey night in Bangladesh. <laughs> Wu-Tang and some Johnny Cash is hockey night in Bangladesh, my friend. Just ask stopping, stopping Tom Carlos. He'll let you know. No relation to Sarah. <laughs> That's a Terminator reference, by the way, in case oh, you wondered. Oh, I was wondering. <laughs> Sarah. Sarah Connors, yeah. <laughs> Oh, man, I, th- I don't want, ever want to get rid of this Jets cheer line. I feel like it's the way forward for us to hear from all sorts of Winnipeggers and Manitobans. And at 7.15. Oh, sorry, Brett. The creativity is overwhelming yeah. at times, isn't it? Yeah, at 7.15, we're going to play an example. We got somebody who said, who, because we've had people uh, change the speech from Winston Churchill, uh, which I <laughs> mistook for Lord of the Rings, because I don't know, I forgot my history. And uh, last night, we got one from somebody who has crafted a song after the weekend's blinding lights. So we've added music. We'll play that for you at 7.15. It's pretty cool. And uh, of course, we have to talk about the heat in a moment, Loren. And as I, I imagine this clip popped into our system because of you. Feeling hot, hot, hot. <laughs> Feeling hot, hot, hot. Oh, Michael Scott. That's the only thing he learned on those uh, Jamaican drums when he came back from nature's largest playground, I think he called it, your most wonderful playground. I think Greg <laughs> must have dropped that in there for me, though. That wasn't me, oh, but really? I, I wish I had thought on. of that. Nope. No? Mm-mm. Forte, did you do that? Brilliant. 
Maybe, I don't know. Well, I guess the mystery shall be solved at 645 because we're going to gather the troops and talk about the heat. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't me. Wasn't me. All right. Did he he call that steel drum on the plane home from Jamaica? Yeah, and then he made the whole office have a luau and he demanded a pig be roasted like in the warehouse, which they couldn't find. It was delightful. Whether it was era 1.0 or it is era 2.0, when the Montreal Canadiens come to Winnipeg to play the Jets based on the jerseys and the stands, it's honestly difficult to tell which arena you're in, especially the way they name arenas now. Bell MTS Place or Bell Center? Yes, it's actually quite annoying when you're there because the the, the those fans can get loud. I think they should be banned. But one way to confirm which <laughs> rink you're in is to look up to the rafters. So if you were in Montreal, you would see the banners celebrating 24 Stanley Cup championships. Why do I have to read this, Greg? Who wrote this? <laughs> Plain and simply, the Montreal Canadiens are one of the most storied, most successful sports franchises on the planet. You can't change facts. Bum, Thousands bum, of proud bum. Manitobans who would normally be cheering for the Winnipeg Jets in the second round of the playoffs have a choice to make. Chuck LaFleche is a proud Manitoban, Winnipeg loyalist. However, he is a lifelong Montreal Canadiens fan. He is also one of my dearest friends. Uh, good morning, Chuck. Good morning. I'm hoping this phone call is not going to hurt me professionally. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, that's up to you. We've extended the invitation. You agreed. So I apologize for the however in my introduction here, but this is where the friendship might get a little strained. I know you cheer for the Jets passionately otherwise, but your first hockey love is the Canadiens. How big a part of your life are Les Canadiens du Montréal, Chuck? Well, I mean, huge. I invited Guy Lafleur to my wedding. I've got two Montreal Canadian chairs uh, in my uh, possession. I've been to the fantasy camp, played with Richard and Lafleur. My son was born May twenty fourth, thirty six, when they won the day they won the cup against Calgary. Message from God. But but I'm a, as you know, I'm also love the Jets. It's a weird thing. People are going to call it hypocritical, but uh, I, I. But by the way, what's not to love about the Jets? Right? I, arguably the best four lines in the league. Uh, underrated defenseman uh, Vezina uh, on paper. They should win. But my heart is a, is a... I try to think of an analogy, Greg, and I'm thinking if your two boys became world-class tennis players and were in the finals in Wimbledon, you would be happy either way, whoever wins. That's kind of how I feel. Uh, except you, you're not allowed to love one of your sons a little more than the other. Uh, I happen to like the, the Canadians a little better than the Jets. Uh, and it's cultural, right? It goes back to the quiet revolution of the 50s where as minority you know french minority in uh, in western canada you know we were kind of the the spunky little guys uh in the 50s and 60s and uh you know i grew up watching hockey with my with my dad and with with my family and but it's a really interesting anthropological uh sort of um uh, thing to notice in the last 10 years i have about you know 62 immediate family members nephews and nieces and and uh and uh, it's a lot, of, a lot of uh, testosterone, a lot of jets, a lot of hockey fans, and it's interesting to see the the shift. About a half of them have made the shift to the Jets, and it's really interesting to see the come. And it's all in fun, right? The camaraderie and the, the you know, the one side calling the other side traitorous. And but I think it's all fun. I mean, there's, with the pandemic, there's a, there's enough bad things going on right now that it's fun to have this distraction. And uh, I just uh, I'm just taking it as fun. And by the way, either way, I win. And uh, to be honest, I think the Jets have a better chance against Colorado, who I'm assuming will win against Vegas. Uh, but it's going to be fun to watch. 
Let's not get ahead of ourselves just yet. So I have two quick questions, Chuck. You mentioned the 86 championship. So your son was born on that day. Uh, Does he have a name that's connected to that? Okay, interesting. And maybe there's too much information. My my wife is about seven centimeters dilated just before midnight. And I told her, hang on, they're in in Calgary tomorrow. They're (laughs) up 3-2. And she gave birth at 3 a.m. And I pulled out the Montreal Canadian calendar, and it was either Stéphane Richer or uh, Patrick Ross, we went with Stéphane. He was later, uh, Stéphane Richer was later traded for Kirk Muller, so I looked into changing his name to Kirk, but it was like 300 bucks. I didn't do it. But I ran into Bobby Smith later on, who scored the winning goal that day. And I said, Bobby, thank you for scoring the winning goal the day my son was born. He said, oh, I guess you called him Bobby. I said, sorry. <laughs> Stéphane goes, what? That could have been French. <laughs> yes, as a Robert in my family as well. And one more quick question. You mentioned Lafleur. You invited him to your wedding. Did he come? No, and then in the 2000, I, went, I played in the fantasy camp in 2000 in Quebec, and I got him on tape apologizing to me and my wife <laughs> that he was in Europe or whatever. I also invited Martin, his son, who was like eight years old at the time. I said, we'll put you in between my wife and I, but it didn't happen. <laughs> so how are you going to navigate this? Like, uh, you know, what are you going to do? This, this wasn't supposed to ever happen until the Stanley Cup final. I, I just see it as fun. By the way, whenever I watch the Jets and Canes, I'm happy whoever scores. So it's kind of a weird thing, and you, it's maybe hypocritical. But um, let, let's face it, I, as Greg knows, I love the Jets. We text each other all the time about them. So, uh, And what's not to love about them? And, and by the way, I also believe in any, any championship, you look, go back to the Islanders in the early 80s or the Oilers in the late 80s, the Canadians in the 70s, it all starts at the top. And we have probably the best, I believe, ownership in the league class organization uh you know huge huge recognition of the indigenous community i'm in, i'm expecting a very poignant opening tonight uh it's just a classy team it's so so it's hard not to love them uh but i i just have this cultural thing that i can't get rid of with canadians so but i view it as win-win either way well, we can't ask you to abandon uh, any of the things that you hold dear. Chuck, I think you've given us a, a great outline as to how thousands of Manitobans will be feeling over the next uh, four, five, six, or seven games. We appreciate your honesty. And uh, yeah, if anybody out there is listening this morning, please don't hold these views against uh, our good friend Chuck LaFleche. Thanks for the time, buddy. <laughs> Thanks. And a great show. I love listening to you guys every day. Thanks for that, Chuck LaFleche, joining us live right, on 680 CJOB. I like him better now, just for that ending. That was it. <laughs> he saved it. <laughs> he made a good case. I'm kidding. I like the he connection. the friendship. There. Yep. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb with a heat warning in effect. Let's discuss the hottest you've ever been. Hottest place you've ever been, maybe? Or have you ever been defeated by the heat when you're outside and you just couldn't take it? Or maybe you lived in a place with no AC? Tell us a story. 204-780-6868. Chance to win a $20 gift certificate for Santa Lucia Pizza. Cameron Poitras, start us off. Feeling hot, hot, hot. Feeling hot, hot, hot. Lol. Okay, I just had to play that. Uh, it's obviously from The Office. Um, uh, well, it's got to be when I was like 14, 15, working concrete with my grandpa's uh, construction company, Inner City Concrete. Uh, yeah, it's got to be it. Um, it was like, I remember there was like two weeks straight where it was 40 plus and it was humid. And I was like, I was chugging liters and liters of water. And so like whenever it gets hot out there and I, I always try to, 
remember that and how bad that was. And it was like, it was insufferable how bad it was. So whenever it gets really hot, I always think, okay, I got to think about the guys on the roofs and, and the construction guys and stuff like that. So, uh, because I've felt the pain, I've, I've been there right alongside them. So that's by far the hottest I've ever been. Sounds brutal. It was bad. Jeff Braun. <laughs> The hottest I ever was, I, I believe I, I was a, a teenager, 16 or 17, and some friends and I were going to go camping, and we had to take uh, the beater car that the Braun family owned at the time, and there was something, I think the radiator broke or something like that. It kept overheating, and on a 30-degree day, the only way to get the car to run was to crank up the heat inside the car as well to try and bring the temperature oh. down for the engine. <laughs> So a uh, buddy and me uh, drove from Altona to St. Mallow Campground in a thir- on a 30-degree day with the heat cranked in the car and our heads hanging out the windows to try and <laughs> survive that. And that, that was it was the double shot of heat that day. It was uh, something I'll never forget. Forte. Well, uh, just, I, I've said this story before. It reminded me of when I was camping and uh, my buddy forgot the fly of the tent. And so it <laughs> rained one night and it was wet. <laughs> So I decided to sleep in the car with a sleeping bag as well, the back of my little cobalt. And, uh, of course, I woke up the next day, and it was beating hot. Windows were all rolled up. I'm in the sleeping bag. And, yeah, just say I, I was dead. I was dead for, like, two days in bed. Couldn't, couldn't even think. Couldn't even move. Uh, but also having to work in can remind me of working. Uh, I worked at Little Caesars. And inside the building, like, it was air-conditioned. But when you're working beside the oven, the air-conditioning didn't work. Like, it just wasn't there. So you'd be working right beside this giant oven. And to, like, during the summer, we had to open up the front doors just to get some cold in there. Even when it was, like, 30 outside, it was incredible. We got a text here from Don who says, the, uh, the hottest I ever had to deal with was at Ayers Rock. I'm not entirely sure where that Australia. is. Australia. Oh, my goodness. Australia. Yeah. Okay. He says in 2015, 52 degrees Celsius, basically 0% humidity. As soon as you start oh. to sweat, it just evaporates. Biggest issue was flies buzzing around your eyes, nose, and mouth. <laughs> They're trying to get any drop of <laughs> oh. moisture they could. That sounds like hell. Oh, no. <laughs> it really that does. sounds like the worst place on earth. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, Loren, what about you? Okay, so keep in mind, yes, I'm a redhead. I have to wear sunscreen SPF 276, like just insane <laughs> amount of sunscreen. I'm the girl that I think it was a grade three or four field trip. We went to Carberry, to the Spru- to Spruce Woods, to the Spirit Sands, and I couldn't make it to the Punch Bowl, like through the Manitoba desert, because I was too hot and feeling like I was getting heat stroke. So that's me in the Manitoba desert. Fast forward 20 years. I'm in the desert of Afghanistan. It's 46 or 47 degrees. I'm talking about heat, you know, when you're in a desert where it feels like you're constantly being tumbled in an air dryer, like a hot dryer or like the, the, you know, when you dry your hair, your hair dryer is just pointing at you like it's blowing hot air at you. And I remember we were out on this excursion with the troops. One of the vehicles broke down. We were waiting for help to come. We're kind of in this um, little low-lying desert area. It was incredibly hot. And my camera guy finally just took off his flak jacket, which is to protect us from bullets. And I was like, dude, what are you doing? Put that back on. He's like, I don't care anymore, man. Like, come sweet death. That was his response because it was so hot that we just, he, he was just choosing to lay down. And thankfully we got out of there. We, it was all good. But that's the kind of heat where your mind feels like it's melting and you cannot make good decisions anymore. Mackling. Well, I have to follow a literal war story. Thanks, McNabb. Um, we drove to California in 1976 to go to Disneyland. We left in a snowstorm, got as far as Grand Far- Forks our first day. 
And we ended up driving through the Mojave Desert in the 100 degree Fahrenheit weather. And it was so hot, 67 Valiant, no air conditioning. And I don't know why my brother and I thought it would be a good idea to uh, be in the back seat upside down with our heads to the floor. I think it was to prevent the, the sun from beating down in on our heads. We stopped in Needles, California. We went in for a bite to eat at a Denny's in Needles. It was over 100 degrees. When we came back outside, somebody had left the bucket of crayons on the back shelf of the car. It was a giant ball of wax. They had all melted. And that was basically our entertainment uh, for the next four hours as we headed towards Anaheim. So, um it was a disaster on many levels indeed. Nothing says heat wave like a delicious, massive Denny's breakfast. <laughs> we start this hour with a, a really scary situation on a bus hours after Winnipeg Transit reported a terrifying incident on one of their buses. Another layer of security was added to the system. It involves the cameras already on buses. They will be turned into 24-7 live streams so that supervisors can keep a better eye on things. Yeah, eye on things, eye on incidents like the one you referenced, Brett. It happened in the early hours of yesterday at Osborne Street and Morley Avenue. A passenger was picked up and the driver says the woman appeared to be intoxicated. And so not long after she got on the bus, she allegedly started throwing food and yelling at the passengers. The driver at the time alerted police, but they couldn't respond before that passenger. Then apparently, according to the driver, started threatening him with a syringe. And then at one point even tried to grab the wheel of the bus. Romeo Ignacio is the president of the local Amalgamated Transit Union and joins us now. Good morning, Romeo. Good morning, Lauren. We've heard lots of different stories over the years about assaults on drivers, but how does this compare with some of the incidents you've heard about and how is the driver doing? Well, he's still a bit shaken. Um, I think he's taking some time off, but um, I think he's, uh, it could have been worse. So uh, he's doing okay. He's just, um, you know, uh, it's, it's not something that you you want to be in any time when you're going to to work. No question about it. Uh, good morning, Romeo. It's Greg Mackling here. Uh, we know assaults happen, and maybe you can give us some numbers for how often they do. And I, I know my first response when I read this was how horrific. My second thought was, isn't this the sort of thing those uh, safety shields are supposed to protect drivers from? Uh, well, the safety shields first is um, is just a uh, you know to prevent major injuries. But uh, as you can see, if you get on the bus, it's still um, open on uh, just above the uh, fare box. Um, so it has been uh, a good uh, protection for the operators. But if in this situation, particularly and uh, a few others, uh, I think there's five that we know of, uh, of uh, wheel-grabbing incidents since uh, December, uh, you know, people could reach into the driver's compartment and pretty much uh, do whatever they want, um, you know, grab the wheel, uh, and in this situation, threaten the operator with the syringe. These assaults, uh, do you, like, are they going up or are they going down in terms of how often they're happening? Well, uh, it depends on what kind of assault you're, uh, you want um, or uh, information that you want. Uh, but it's 
It's almost happening every day or at least uh, two, three times a week. Um, just the other day, there was a report of uh, pepper spraying in uh, two buses. So uh, this one, though, it, uh, it's one of the few things that we are very, very concerned about because, um, you know, uh, it actually is almost like a, a bus jacking because mm-hmm. uh, the operator had to... Uh, follow the instruction of the passenger. Otherwise, uh, his life is in danger. So basically, he was um, he was going down his route, missing some stops because he needed to go, get to downtown right away. And, uh, you know, in, in this situation, actually, uh, this is the time we needed uh, a dedicated um, security presence because, you know, um, I know the, the police is busy, um, but uh, I wish that there could have been something done uh, from from the time that the passenger was picked up, Osborne, going south to Southdale, uh, until uh, the bus was met at uh, back downtown. So mm-hmm. I mean that's a lot of time for any operator or, or even passengers to have to deal with. Yeah, the the possibility for all sorts of things to go incredibly wrong there, Romeo, is huge. And I'm curious, we referenced this pilot project off the start of this segment, the idea that 50 cameras on 50 buses are now going to be turned into 24-7 live streams. So drivers can already contact uh, the control center in emergencies. Police can be then called to respond. How would a live stream make a difference in your mind, or, or would it? Is this is this the right step? Oh, uh, uh, we agree that uh, it it's needed because uh, in this situation we only had the audio um, access, the real time audio, uh, and the operator actually had the presence of mind to describe what's happening and um, uh, tell the control center discreetly um, that you know he's going down firm or he's going down Osborne. So uh, the the operate the control center is aware of what's happening and uh, where he's at. Um, but the streaming video would actually give Control Center a better idea of what's going on. Because sometimes, you know, you just can't rely on audio. Uh, but uh, this particular one, the operator, I would commend the operator for having the presence of mind to describe every single street that he was going, his, he was turning into. Um, I, I would have to make some corrections, though. Uh, this is a pilot type for 50 buses, but only... Um, for uh, incident-based uh, and not 24 hours. So they could be accessed within uh, in any tw- any given hour, but it's only incidents triggered. Sorry, so the camera would start turn- sending back the live stream once an incident's reported in real time? Uh, the control center would have access to live streaming once it's triggered by uh, the operator or if there's a, a call to 911 uh, for a particular bus. Romeo Ignacio, the president of the local Amalgamated Transit Union, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Romeo, thank you very much for the time. Oh, thank you, guys. Have a good day. Go Jets, go. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we have been asking you to call the CJOB Jets cheer line at 204-780-6800 to leave us a message. And last night, we got a dandy from E. Marion, themed after the weekend's blinding lights. Let's hear what she had to sing.
talking. I'm going through withdrawals. There have been no jets for long enough. Waiting one more day will be real tough. Hockey. Big mm-hmm. City loves their hockey. No one around to shout me. We can see clearly when they play. And oh, I said, ooh, I want to wear my white. The second round will lift us all right up. And I said, ooh, I'm caring for my chest. No, I can't sleep until they win the cup. Go Jets. Unbelievable creativity. That was so good when you added the music. I mean, that's some serious thought went into it. I love that. Well done. 204-780-6800 is the number to call to leave a message. GMAC. Sorry, Brett. I just want to know, did you have to alter the tempo of her singing at all? Or was it just a straight overlay or underlay of the music? No, I I had to cut it up into a... uh, Hang on a second here. I can probably tell you how many pieces. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. It was a true collaboration then. 19. But but it it was just the timing. It was just the spacing between some of her... Because I tried to just sort of lay it down flat but it fell sort of behind the the tempo and i mean no there's no that's no big deal i i was blown away by the yes. creativity make sure you get credit on the album though right like technical producer exactly. or Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, a reminder to keep texting us at 204-780-6868. The hottest you've ever been, the hottest place you've ever been. Have you ever been defeated by the heat? Did you ever have a hard time managing the heat? Tell us a story, 204-780-6868. gift certificate Santa Lucia Pizza. We'll give it away at 915. Uh, this listener says, no contest, Galveston, Texas, visiting relatives who insisted we go to a seafood restaurant right on the pier. It was more than 100 degrees Fahrenheit, and it was all we could do to just sit there and pretend to be enjoying ourselves. Just brutal. Uh, but this one from Aaron made me laugh because Aaron went a different route. Aaron says... I was hottest when I was 16. It's been downhill ever since. <laughs> Brilliant, Aaron. Did you see the one that was a different kind of heat? Uh, she referenced that they were watching TV with her husband when she got a hot flash. Oh. And pretty much stripped to almost mm-hmm. nothing. Still cooking. I started to then eat ice chips and then started shivering due to the ice chips. And then my husband asked, are, are you too cold? And I said, no, I'm still hot. And it took a half hour for the hot flash to pass. And I asked, was this funny at the time or funny later? She said, both. But then I was very cold later. I was freezing later. They write. So, you know, everybody taking it a different turn, right? Mm-hmm. Hot and looks, hot flash, hot temperatures. Keep them coming. 204-780-6868. Keys to the game, by the way, coming up at 811. But right now, this should be the dream series for the Winnipeg Jets and their fans. It should be, Brad. Let's let's see uh, how much of a dream it is. The Jets versus an original six team. A team which dispatched the other original six team in your division, not to mention the top team in 
said division, the hometown Jets playing a team which finished lower in the standings, a team which you collected 12 of a possible 18 points against. Sounds pretty good to me, McNabb. Here's the rub. And there's always a rub, although I don't know if I've ever used the expression, here's the rub, but I'm using it now. The Montreal Canadiens collected 9 of 18 points versus the Jets because 3 of their games went to overtime. The Jets then finished just 4 points ahead of the Canadiens in the North Division standings. What does this tell us? (laughs) Probably very little at the end because, of course, as we all know, it's a best of 7 series. And what happened on paper, what happened in the regular season doesn't really mean much now. So we're pleased to bring on... Hockey expert extraordinaire, Leah Hextall. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, everyone. How are we doing today? It's game day. We are excited. We're happy to get things going and see the puck drop. And, of course, talk some hockey because I think one of the big things coming out again in this matchup is goaltending. Huge part of the equation in uh, our victory over Edmonton. Now let's take a look at what Carey Price brings to the table. Who has the edge in net? You know, Loren, that is going to be the million-dollar question in this series because, you know, goaltending, we've discussed this, is always oh so important in the playoffs. You have a goalie, you have a chance. But we're talking about Carey Price versus Connor Hallibuck, two world-class goalies, two Vesna Trophy winners in their time, two very big bodies, extremely technical, patience in their crease, and very hard to beat. I mean, you're not going to beat either of these goaltenders unless you create chaos and confusion in front of them. If they can see the puck, it's not getting past them to the mesh. So it's going to be a big assignment for the Jets to make sure that they get to carry Price. Very similar to how they did to Mike Smith for the Edmonton Oilers. Yes, Mike Smith is not the cachet of Carey Price, but was playing extremely well this season, especially coming into the playoffs. But the Jets got to him, got it dirty inside the paint, make sure that they had layers in front of him. And that is the only way the Winnipeg Jets are going to beat Carey Price in this series. And it's going to be very interesting to see this battle between these two goaltenders because I truly believe this will determine the series. Now, the Jets have been idling on the tarmac, so to speak, for eight full days. Canadians, meanwhile, played Game 7 in Toronto Monday night. Does Montreal have Ole Mo, a.k.a. momentum, on their side heading into tonight? So first of all, I don't believe in momentum. I believe in momentum within games, momentum within shifts, momentum swings. But I do not believe that momentum carries over from game to game or series to series. I believe confidence does. So, yes, the Montreal Canadiens coming back from a 3-1 to deficit against the Toronto Maple Leafs will come into this series confident. But look no further than the second-round series between the Vegas Golden Knights and Colorado Avalanche. The Avalanche swept, got tons of rest. The Knights? went to seven games. What happened? A seven to one butt kick by the Avalanche over the night. Rest is everything in the playoffs and the Jets are much better positioned coming into this series. Kelly Moore had some interesting statistics on that yesterday. The last five times a, a sweep team has played a, a, a team that's gone seven games, Leah, the uh, seven, the team that played seven games actually came out on top. I know the Jets will be looking to, to bounce back and to crush that statistics. You know what they say, uh, numbers don't lie, but statistics are for losers. Connor Hellebuck, I think, is going to have a chip on his shoulder, not nominated for the Vesna Trophy. Those nominations came out yesterday. That is bizarre, bizarre beyond words for me. But the Jets are the favorite, overwhelmingly chosen by the so-called experts. The flip side of that coin... Leah, those are the same people who called Montreal over Toronto and said Edmonton would walk over Winnipeg. Does any of that matter? 
I don't think so. I mean, you know, we all have to sit back and we can sit there and say that we're experts, but we're not. The experts are playing the game. The experts on the ice, the experts are going to determine what happens in this series. And it's very simple. Whoever plays better is going to win. There's no luck in the playoffs. If you win a seven-game series, it's because you are the better team. It's not like a one-and-done game in the regular season. This is why you build your team for series. This is why the Stanley Cup is the greatest trophy to win, because the best team in that time wins it because they can put together a series victory, which is so difficult to do. And I just want to put this into perspective for everybody. This, we always talk about 2018 and how great those Jets were and they got to the conference finals. This series gets us back to where the Jets were in 2018. This crowns the King of the North, which goes to the Final Four. This is one of the best opportunities the Winnipeg Jets have to win a Stanley Cup and bring it to Winnipeg. This is a crucial series against the Montreal Canadiens, as they always are. But I hope everybody's ready to buckle up because I really am looking forward to this. I think it's going to be a very even series, and uh, we're going to see a lot of magic. Leah, before we let you go, we rely on your hockey analysis, but do you want to weigh in on the dream I had last night, which involved a goat being born in, on the farm back in the day? And I feel like mm-hmm. greatest of all time, Shifley has a couple goats. I feel like there's something there. <laughs> This is where I'm looking for your expertise, Leah, on my goat dream, okay? You know, Lauren, I think you need some different expertise from a professional psychologist, maybe. Maybe not from a hockey person, but Believe you know what? I'll leave that to you, girl. I've so, already yeah. Googled no, I, goats you know and dreams, and what the heck does that I mean? Hope, I hope there's a correlation between it, and uh, I hope that the goat means that, yes, that's great. I love that you're having dreams about goats. <laughs> Leah Hextall. You're willing goat. to share it. <laughs> what did she say, Greg? <laughs> Goat, Jets, goat. <laughs> oh, goodness. It's time to go. It's time to go after that one. All right, Leah Hextall. Uh, Leah. She, we hear from her every Tuesday and Thursday at 6.55 with Hextall and Hockey, and she joins us every couple of weeks for the weekly Jets chat. Winnipeg is currently under a heat warning, and with temperatures in the 30s for the rest of the week, we know many of you will be seeking relief in the water. Yeah, but before you jump in, we want to play you a story that should be food for thought for anyone hitting our lakes this weekend, particularly if you're getting into the water with an inflatable raft or other floating devices. Global's Marnie Blunt brings us the story through the eyes of Cynthia and Jason Chueco. I heard a dad yell, you're too far. So I stood up as a mom and I looked and I said to my husband, those kids are too far. The dad went after the kids. Cynthia and Jason jumped into action and into the cold waters with their own floating devices. Cynthia reached the father and one girl first. He was obviously in a panic state trying to get a second child. Brett Chesley also came out to help. He says the frigid waters made it difficult to breathe. I don't like thinking about it. I, I, I thought, Maybe the little girl, the dad, Cynthia, myself, any of us could just fall, like, pass out right then and there. And if that happened, there is no way anybody was going to save one of us. They say the other young girl was pushed past the point and into dangerous waters. Once I got the dad and daughter where I was able to stand up, I saw how far my husband had gotten with the other little girl. I knew they were past the point and I knew he wouldn't be able to swim through that wind. That's when another person on a kayak came to their aid. Once I got out of the water and finally saw Blake there with the kayak, I knew there was hope for that girl and my husband to get out of the water. Blake and Cynthia and Jason won't use the word hero, but to me they are. Um, it's, it, it, it chokes me up to just think about it, though they 
the three of them, they didn't stop to think. They ran straight into the water. Ran straight into the water and all was well in the end. That was the boy, voice of Brett. Of course, you have Cynthia and Jason Cherwaco and Blake Morden was the guy on the kayak helping them all to shore safely. But we know there's some key list lessons out of that, guys. Dr. Christopher Love is with the Life Saving Society of Manitoba and our guest now. Good morning. Good morning. What's your reaction when you hear a story like that? How common is it for, for kids and adults to find themselves in a situation that they wouldn't suspect when they were just at shore moments ago? Well, hearing this story, I mean, uh, certainly um, heroic circumstances and uh, and something uh, that should be commended. In terms of uh, how common this is, uh, we've had many uh, we've had many documented cases over the past several summers of inflatable objects uh, being pushed out into the large lakes in Manitoba. Uh, it is something uh, overall we are concerned about, and our partner agencies, the RCMP, the Coast Guard. Uh, military search and rescue are also concerned about because uh, they do occur uh, and it's very easy for it to happen. Um, the wind just needs to switch a little bit uh, and uh, it said instead of being an onshore breeze blowing you towards the shore, it's suddenly blowing you away at a very rapid rate. Yeah, I've been I've been caught in a position where the wind uh, is problematic on the water. Took out a, a pedal boat or a paddle boat or whatever you want to call it, and we realized within about thirty seconds that we were uh, potentially in a very dangerous situation, and it was a mess getting back to water. We almost uh, drowned. It was bad. So, like when the wind is a problem, and it's been super windy on and off for the last couple of weeks. Uh, what should we watch out for when we are in the water? Basically, there are there are three ways you can approach this. Um, it, it, for the really big lakes in Manitoba, our general advice is is leave your inflatable objects at home because the winds are unpredictable. Uh, they can switch uh, without warning, and unless you're paying really close attention, you're not going to notice. Uh, but if you do want to take the object, uh, then second best option is you need to have something that's going to secure it or anchor it. So have it tied off to a dock, a pier, uh, an anchor of some sort. Uh, And then if you really want to have it uh, free-floating, then you need to be aware that there is a chance that you could be blown away. And in that case, we'd be recommending you're wearing your life jacket while you're on that inflatable and uh, consider equipping it the same as a boat of equivalent size. So if you've got a three-meter inflatable, equip it the same as you would with safety equipment for a three-meter long boat. Lots to think about, lots of considerations. One that I don't know is on your if it's on your radar or not, uh, Christopher. Just the fact that uh, Lake Winnipeg, in particular, the the water level is so gosh darn low, and you have to go out even further from shore just to even get wet. So now you're, you know, even if you're familiar with the lake, you're not typically as far from shore from the natural or regular shoreline as you would be otherwise, and. And so you're you're closer to getting into open water than you would be otherwise. That is certainly the case. I've heard that uh, story from a couple of people this year for different bodies of water. Uh, we are experiencing near drought or drought conditions, according to uh, many forecasts. And so certainly that's going to change the water profile. Uh, and it's one of those things that we would generally say to anyone, if you're going out uh for a day at the beach, a trip on the water, you always need to be aware of the current conditions. Uh, and so, yes, one of our current conditions is because of changing water levels, 
uh, you may be further from what we would consider a point of safety or a point where assistance can be provided from. Uh, and that's going to uh, potentially change uh, change what you're doing or what you need to be thinking about for safety because of that additional distance. And you mentioned this in terms of just the cold, but the conditions are that, yes, it's warm out. We're going to want to cool down. But in many parts of the province, those lakes are still at conditions that in a matter of minutes, it might be too cold to, to for your muscles to work their way to get yourself back to shore. Yes, one of those uh, one of the things that people don't often realize is uh, year round, the vast majority of water in Canada is considered cold water or under twenty five degrees Celsius. Um, I have some contacts from around Lake Winnipeg, and there were still uh, there was still ice being spotted in the middle of May. So I mean, we're only about two weeks away from that. Uh, that water has not warmed up, and it's probably not going to warm up, uh, even though we're going to have thirty degrees Celsius over this weekend. The, the lake water is not going to warm up till the end of June, early July uh, this year because there was that late ice on the lake. Uh, and so cold shock, that is you go in, you hit the cold water, uh, your immediate response is to gasp or hyperventilate. That kind of effect is going to continue uh, well into what people would normally consider the swimming season. Uh, and then the next step, which happens after that, cold incapacitation, that is your muscles start to shut down due to the cold, we're going to see that happening as well for, you know, again, into the swimming season. And that takes about 10 to 15, maybe 20 minutes, depending upon the exact water temperature, once you've been, once you've been immersed. Dr. Christopher Love, Life Saving Society, Manitoba, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Thank you for those important safety tips. Keep texting us at 204-780-6868, the hottest you've ever been, whether it's the hottest place you've ever been or a time where you were just beaten by the heat. Evelyn says, the hottest I've ever been, definitely when my sister and I took a road trip to BC about 25 years ago. We took my old Ford Tempo, and it did not have air conditioning. We had no idea that the temperature would be 41 degrees when we drove across the prairies. We had bottles of water but we were pouring them on our head to try to stay cool driving in this black tin can. We were baking like chickens on a black barbecue. So we stopped at a hotel in Mooseman, Saskatchewan, and said we didn't want a room, we just wanted to use their pool. They refused. I remember begging and offering money. They would not let us jump in their pool. I will never buy a car without air conditioning again. Thank you for I that story. The uh, punchline was going to be, "I will never go to Musum in Saskatchewan again." But uh, <laughs> you know, lots of reasons to say that. <laughs> so keep your text coming. Santa Lucia Pizza gift card given away just after nine fifteen. In the meantime, as we've been telling you, we learned yesterday, up to five hundred healthcare workers going to be allowed in for games one and two at Bell MTS Place between the Jets and the Habs, and we're getting a lot of feedback on that on both sides of the coin, Greg. Yeah, and I got this email from Tony about an hour ago, and um, well, I don't know if there's any other way to say it. Um, Tony is angry, to say the least, and I've edited this a a little bit, just not only for time, but because of some of the things uh, Tony says uh, will be happening in, in in her or his world uh, moving forward. I didn't want to incriminate uh, said person. So here's here it goes. There are other ways to say thank you to all critical workers. I think it's a slap in the face to those who are sending loved ones to another province, those that have lost family, to those who have lost jobs and are having a hard time. 
if we can justify this, then teachers can justify seeing family for all they have done. Preschool, daycare workers for providing mental health and stability for children of those who need it and keeping them safe to grocery workers who have been there from day one, police, firefighters, etc. I am disgusted with this decision. Yeah, and I and I get that there's that a bit of that anger out there. And I think it's largely because Toronto did this. They had fans in the stands a, a few days ago, and they were all healthcare workers. And other teams have talked about it. And, and Montreal actually had fan fans in the stands because they're ahead of the game, so to speak, in terms of their COVID challenges. We're not there yet. We're not where Ontario even is. They just today lifted a stay-at-home order in Ontario that they've had in place for, gosh, it has to be close to six weeks, if not two months. And so they've been through this th- third wave, but they're still not out of it yet. And so they in Ontario allowed it, allowed those health care workers in the stands and there's some saying okay but we're not at that point yet and so we're not sure why this would be happening i think most people agree that the healthcare workers deserve to have all the praise in the world and would love to see them in the stands and and, and that they evolve all of all people of course let's find a way to reward them but there is that thing that's in the back of the mind saying i'm, I'm not sure about the messaging here if i'm to stay at home we're waiting until everyone or at least a good chunk of the population is fully vaccinated before we have this return to so-called new normal and so i get where people are coming from on the flip side liz texted to say good morning i think it's awesome they're doing this for the very well-deserved hard-working people who put in endless exhausting hours and can go and finally enjoy themselves go jets to go liz says so she's okay with it and i think it's going to have a, a people on all sides of the fence on this one brett and the question of the day at cjob.com for mr furnace don't call them first you'll see why call mr furnace 204-832-6243 uh what do you how do you feel about this and so far 67 percent say or maybe it's now 63 it was 67 a minute ago 63 percent say love it 24 percent say on the fence and 12 percent say hate it and we've also put that on twitter at 680 CJOB, and it's almost identical. 69% love it, 13% hate it, 19% on the fence. Round two, the North American Ice Hockey League playoffs, baby! Mackling, what's your routine ahead of uh, game night? Oh, I'd love to share it with you, but I'm not allowed to uh, divulge any of the things that I do on game day. All I can say is this. What I've done this morning is exactly what I did all four mornings of the series against Edmonton. My apparel will be the same for the game tonight, and I feel as though I'm already saying too much, Loren. And this is the superstitious side of me. And once you start talking about the superstitions, then it kind of goes haywire. So I'm going to stop talking right now, but I have a concern and I have a question for you, McNabb. We have uh, had a little bit of a decree during the Oilers Jet series that Brett McGarry was not allowed <laughs> to watch mm-hmm. any of the games. He mm-hmm. he followed through. It, he fell asleep. I think it was on game one. Yeah. And so that was where that was born. Correct, Brett? Yeah, I fell asleep on my couch <laughs> at 7.45 and the game started at 8. And I woke up at 10.45. So I basically like <laughs> I pretty much woke up as the game had just ended. So we have four straight wins by the Jets so far in the playoffs. Are we allowed, this is a new series now, are we allowed to let Brett off the hook, so to speak? I think it starts fresh. So whatever happens tonight that works or doesn't work, 
in my, this is how I'm doing it. And that's largely because I don't want to eat tonight what I ate on game one uh, in the first series. I'm changing up the menu. And so it's just pure selfishness. We'll see if it works. I just feel like, I feel like it's a reset. It's a reset. It's a new dawn. It's a new day. So this is what I'm going with, Greg. And I say Brett can watch the game. Brett? As it turns out, I can't watch the game tonight because I, I oh. <laughs> at, least, at least not live, because I have some homework tonight for the head of the couch potatoes, because one of the movies that's making its debut this weekend is The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, the third movie and the... The Conjuring series, uh, good scary movies. So the Couch Potatoes have screener access to that tonight, and there's a limited window. I think we're basically, I think we're usually given three hours to watch it, or four hours, and uh, that window is expected to start at six. So given and given how much how long it takes me to watch anything these days, because I'm always distracted by my phone, I'll probably go the full uh, the full time allotment that I have before they cut it off. my my best uh mr burns excellent <laughs> keep it up brett I, and I, I i don't know about the fresh start thing McNabb, well, Lorraine has you, weighed in she says brett has to pvr the game you have to go with the routine you've had all year long okay well, I, I have to PVR. don't blow it now don't you have to you sh- well that's what whatever you did is basically what she's saying you have to stick oh it. no i i didn't i i don't pvr sports i've tried it I tried PVR sports, but I just when, once I know the result, yeah, I can't go back and I'll watch highlights, but that's it. So this is a lot of pressure on you, Brett. Do you have the uh, the uh, fandom of uh, over a million Manitobans on your shoulders right now? So uh, enjoy <laughs> that movie tonight. <laughs> okay, I shall carry this burden. <laughs> uh, yeah, yours, uh, and yours alone. <laughs> Okay, so Lorraine, Lorraine, you just mentioned Lorraine. She texted us a great story about heat. Lorraine always texts us some wonderful stories. She takes a lot of time to paint a real picture, and that's how she started it. Let me paint the picture. So I'm now eight months and 28 days pregnant with first baby. Ready, set, blow, and I put on a few pounds. Well, you've heard the, the saying, you're eating for two, so I did, but you shouldn't. That's a lie. It's June, third week in June in Winnipeg. We're having a heat warning for all. Well, my body was having its own heat warning. I have never been so hot, so swollen, so uncomfortable, and so ravenous for ice cream and popsicles and Slurpees on tap in all my life. So the last few days of hotter than the sun in Winnipeg, I'd get up, go pick the supersized Slurpee Slurpee of swamp water, All flavors in the machine at the time, two straws. I'd go to the mall and wait out the heat and just wait for baby to pop. By the way, first baby loves Slurpees, and I don't. And then she went on to say, look, I can explain it this this way. Being pregnant uh, nine months in Winnipeg heat wave warning, for a guy to experience this, it would be like wearing (laughs) a sumo wrestler costume in the sun for nine months. You're swollen. You're walking around. You're just begging that baby to come on out. I did the mall walk for my first. It was November, though, so I wasn't hot. I was cold. But I walked around the Brandon Mall for hours, hours waiting for that to happen. Really? Like yeah. you, were, you were just trying to make it make just it did so? some laps, called in, and it worked. Did some laps, called my sister, had some tacos that night, a little spicy, and bada bing, bada boom, a quick 29 hours later, no oh. problem. Quick, 29 hours. <laughs> well, my boys were born at the end of July. Two babies at once. So 
I, uh, I, I bow down and, and kneel and praise uh, my wife for carrying two babies. And that summer of uh, 2006 was pretty hot too. So uh, any, any of you that have carried babies in the summer, through the summer, whether they were born in June, July, August, September, October, November, massive respect over here. And something to think about right now, you know, we're having some fun in this segment, but we are putting some masks out throughout the day on CGOB about tips to beat the heat because there are places you can't really go right now. They don't want you gathering in big numbers at any of those indoor facilities. A lot of people might go to the libraries to cool down or other places. And that's not easy for many of us. There's not those locations that you would go to and you can't just stand around, uh, you know, in your local convenience store trying to capture some AC and perhaps a Slurpee. So let us know your tips for beating the heat when maybe you can't get to AC. That's a great point. I, when I moved into my apartment at, at Corden and Harrow, Lord Harrow Apartments, that building did not have built-in AC. So I had was responsible to provide my own and I didn't that first year and I didn't want to go home. First week of July, it suddenly was 30 degrees and humid and my apartment was a nightmare. I hated it so much and uh, I would go to places like the movie theater to escape because going to the movies in the summer, you almost have to bring a sweater because inevitably it's too cold. Uh, And you can't do that right now because movie theaters are closed. How hot have you experienced with a heat warning, we're talking about the heat that you have felt. 204-780-6868 text messages, $20 gift certificate for Santa Lucia pizza. We got lots of texts on Las Vegas. I'm going to skip to Jen's text. She says, my husband and I drove to Las Vegas in July. We decided to tour the Hoover Dam. And by the time I had walked from where we parked our car to the dam, the soles of my flip-flops had melted. I had to go straight to the gift shop to buy shoes to do the damn tour. That's the damn tour. Get it? Yeah. Yeah. And no N, <laughs> different word. But then that, that, that text from Jen ties into Cooper's story, Greg. Yeah. Good morning. My name is Cooper. I used to be a truck driver and was delivering in Laredo, Texas. It was 115 degrees and my runners were sticking to the blacktop in the customer's parking lot. I could feel the heat from the blacktop through my shoes. Wow. Thank you, Cooper. Appreciate that. Not the winner, though. Yeah, and Loren's going to read the winning text in a moment, but I'm going to sneak this one in from Vegas as well. Uh, It was in the 40s. It was hot, and I was dehydrated to to the point I had chapped lips and chapped tongue. I found a stand on the strip that sold what looked like Slurpees. They're all over the place in Vegas. I love those drinks. Uh, Mm. But they, they offer to add booze. So I order the large one liter of the lime with... Uh, tequila. It was a margarita. Yes. What a bad idea. I dr- drank it in four sips, insta-drunk, accompanied with brain freeze. And this is where it got scary. I started to get chest freeze, and oh. my nose started bleeding oh. after sitting down for about 15 minutes. I was fine. Those oh, drinks boy. are potent, especially the, the the daiquiris. They use Bacardi 151. Do not mess around with those. They're good, but be careful. Yeah, but yard longs. Our winning text, Loren, just took it a little bit in a different direction. Well, as Greg said, they thought outside the box, and I like that. So they texted a few hours ago to say the hottest I've been was just a couple months ago. My husband and I were watching TV when I got a bad 
hot flash, she writes. <laughs> I pretty much stripped to almost nothing. Still cooking hot. I started eating ice chips. Then I started shivering due to the ice chips. Seeing this, my husband then asked if I was cold, to which I yelled, no, I am still hot. It took about a half hour for the hot flash to finally pass. She later added then she felt freezing cold and was shivering. But I love it. She, she's not thinking heat like this heat wave. She's thinking the internal heat wave flashing through that body. Menopause. My mom- Isn't she lovely? My mom had had to deal with those for years, and all we could there was nothing we could do but but feel bad for her. Uh, she'd have the window open, minus thirty outside window, be <laughs> wide open. Uh, so congratulations to that listener for sharing that story. That's great stuff. Because I like the instant gram versus the tw- the tweeters or the Facebooks, but I have been having fun on the on the tweeters as well of late. So the, I'm starting to warm up to that a little bit more. Ugh, it's already a, a more divisive space, Twitter, and I am kind of curious if like the legacy of this pandemic. You know, it just seems like there's a bit more bitterness around right now, or people more quick to anger just because of all the different frustrations. And I I, I hope that goes away, both just in people's reactions, no matter how you're sharing them, but people's reactions. Period on social media because there are many days I've thought I gotta I gotta get off this Twitter machine man like I'm done <laughs> well is there anything that's not a flashpoint for criticism for back and forth for people lashing out whether it's directly pointed at what you po- posted or something completely unrelated it almost feels as though this is a place people work their frustrations out about so many things. And, <laughs> and, and, it's, and it's really too bad because it's such an opportunity to get educated about what's going on in the world and to follow world affairs. But, uh, Brett, it can be such an angry place and it's so frustrating sometimes. Yeah, and there is the, there is the odd time where I, I want to go on Twitter and vent about something. but uh, You stop yourself. I, yeah, I stop myself. I try to keep my social media more of a happy place where I either post. Sometimes I'll ask genuine questions. Like I went on Twitter on Saturday and asked the question, should I go get my shot or, or what would you do? Would you get your shot early? And uh, I got tons of uh, comments on that and it was very insightful and kind of helped yeah. me make my decision. But for the most part, my social media is just a nonstop sort of feed of nonsense. And that, that's good because then I, that means I'm just staying away from the anger. Well, I, so I posted this morning uh, about how it's hot out and Caleb Evans was joining us at 6.15 and to make sure to slap on some sunscreen. And and I was waiting for someone to weigh in. You should wear sunscreen all day, all year long, like, <laughs> which nobody did. But that I was like, oh, I feel like there's nothing that's safe, right? Like, I'm just talking about a safety tip. Get some sunscreen on. You should wear sunscreen all year long. <laughs> Nobody did, to be clear. Darren't but... tweet about the fact that it's snowing in Winnipeg and that, that you know, traffic might be winter. difficult. or it's winter, uh, Oh, winter in Winnipeg. Who, who would have guessed? <laughs> hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global. And on Instagram, at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.